Good morning. Praise Adonai indeed. That's a great word. It means Lord. And we sang earlier, how awesome is the Lord Most High. Awesome is a great word. It's a word that should be reserved for one who is Adonai, Lord of all. And so this morning, we're going to look at the fear of the Lord, what it is and what it does. After exploring all that this life had to offer him, and he certainly had enough money to explore everything in his day, from wine and various construction projects to providing himself with singers and concubines, 300 of them, according to the records in 1 Kings. King Solomon did it all and had it all by human standards. Yet he, the preacher, summed up the meaning of life under heaven this way. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 says, the conclusion when all has been heard is, fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. Now, because of the popularity of that verse, 13, we tend to easily overlook verse 14, which tells us why the fear of God and obedience to his commandments apply to every human being, including you and me, regardless of our age or stage in life. Solomon tells us this is the reason these divine imperatives apply to all of us. In verse 14, he says, for God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Are you ready to meet your maker? Am I ready to meet my maker? You see, all of us will stand before him one day to give an account for our deeds. That's what the verse says, our every act. We will also be accountable for our thoughts and motives and desires. Everything which is hidden, Solomon says, because his word says so, and God cannot lie. Our Lord Jesus Christ tells us in the gospel according to Matthew that people will give an account to God for careless words that have been spoken. In chapter 12, verse 36 and 37, he tells us, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Yes, you and I will give an account to God one day for every act, everything that is hidden, that is, our thoughts, motives, even our desires, 
and every careless word. Quite a sobering thought, isn't it? Therefore, to fear God and to keep his commandments is a matter we had better not take lightly while we live here on this earth. With his help then, we will examine a few characteristics of the fear of the Lord, followed by a few consequences of the fear of the Lord. But before we do that, what does godly fear actually mean? One of the Hebrew words for fear transliterated into English is the word yid'ah, yid'ah. It is a feminine noun that does not take us off the hook, men, because it's a feminine noun. And this yid'ah word is used 45 times in the Old Testament. It means, if you're taking notes, fear or terror, Number two, awesome, that's the word we sang earlier. How awesome is the Lord Most High? Or terrifying thing, object causing fear. Thirdly, fear of God, respect, reverence, piety. And fourthly, it means revered. Out of the 45 times where this term occurs in the Old Testament. The fear of the Lord is in view at least 32 times out of the 45 times that word is used in the Old Testament. In such instances, they refer primarily to the third definition, which is an attitude of respect, having reverence for God, and being pious or devoted to him. Yidah, very important term in the Old Testament. Let us now examine a few characteristics of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, what it is, some characteristics. These are three that we will look at. There are a whole lot more. The first one, it is the first part of wisdom and knowledge. It is the chief or principal thing when it comes to wisdom and knowledge. We have three verses that I would like for you to read with me. The first is Psalm 111, verse 10. Would you read that with me, please? Praise the Lord. Sorry, that's Psalm 112. Psalm 111, verse 10. Read that with me, please. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. So we see the connection there with fearing God and obeying his word. Over to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Read that with me, please. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And Proverbs rather 9, verse 10. Please read that with me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I think those particular verses and Proverbs are the most known when it comes to what the fear of the Lord is. It is the first part of knowledge 
and wisdom. The principal thing, the chief thing when it comes to wisdom and knowledge. But the fear of the Lord is something else. It is pure in a moral or ethical sense. Psalm, 1, Psalm 19, rather, verse 9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And this is beautifully illustrated in Exodus chapter 1, where the Hebrew midwives, in refusing to murder baby boys, as ordered by Pharaoh, we see this principle, this characteristic of the fear of the Lord. It says, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, and the other was named Pua. And he said, When you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. Verse 17, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. And so you see this characteristic played out in their lives. It led to moral purity. It led to an ethical decision to not commit evil. But the fear of the Lord is something else. It is teachable, which implies it can be understood. Over in Psalm 34, please read that verse with me. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, please read those verses with me as well. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. So we see King Solomon is instructing his son, listen to me. Let me teach you about the fear of the Lord. If you do this, my son, if you do this, my son, if you do this, my son, then you will discover the fear of the Lord. A very important thing for us as parents to recognize how we need to be training our children in the fear of the Lord. Which brings me to a story. When I was in my early teens, uh, one of my dear sisters, she saw me keeping company uh, with uh, some uh, neighbors who had just started a DJ company. And uh, back in the early 80s, they were playing all of the major 80s hits, you know, all the reggae and the rap hits of the 80s, and I was getting caught up in that. And my sister, being the dear sister that she was, she did what any loving sister would do. She reported me to my daddy. <laughs> and my daddy, he called me into his bedroom. He took his Bible, and we sat on the edge of his bed. He opened the word of God, to Proverbs chapter 1. This is where T. 
teaching your children the fear of the Lord comes in, parents. And it says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse, my son. Do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the net in the sight of any bird. Here I am, some 30 plus years later, and I still remember that incident, still remember that scripture. Now to be clear, these neighborhood guys weren't murderers, but the lesson was made even clearer to me as my dad conveyed to me a story that his mother once told him. I suppose she thought he had a problem with keeping bad company too. The story she told him is about a sparrow who went with a murder of crows. That's actually what a group of crows is called. I, I, in researching for this message, came across that just this week. How ironic. A murder of crows, all right? This sparrow flew with the crows into a farmer's field to steal some corn. The farmer shot his gun at the birds to scare them away and injured the sparrow while the crows flew away unharmed. The crows told the sparrow's mother that he was injured and the mother flew to where he was, lying wounded. Her words to the sparrow included this memorable line, if you were not where the crows were found, you would have been all safe and sound. Now, do you think I got involved with bad company after that conversation with my dad? Well, maybe a few more times. <laughs> but I never forgot that conversation, and that helped to steer me in the right direction. Thanks, Daddy, again. Now that we've seen then what the fear of the Lord is, all right, we said that it is the first part of wisdom and knowledge. Secondly, it is pure in a moral or ethical sense. It is also teachable, which implies it can be understood. Let us look at several proverbs in order to examine a few positive consequences of fearing God. But I must first caution you, beware. Proverbs are not promises. They are principles. Easton's Bible Dictionary partly describes the book of Proverbs this way. A collection of moral and philosophical maxims of a wide range of subjects presented in a poetic form. This book sets forth the philosophy of practical life it is the sign to us that the Bible does not despise common sense 
and discretion. It impresses upon us in the most forcible manner the value of intelligence and prudence and a good education. With that in mind, let's turn our attention to a few positive consequences related to the fear of the Lord. First, what does the fear of the Lord do? This is not a comprehensive list, but we've narrowed it down to three. It causes increase of life, adding years to life. Would you read these verses with me from Proverbs chapter 9, beginning at verse 10, and also verse 11? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. Over to the next chapter, verse 27. Would you please read that with me? The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. A good illustration of this principle is found in Ephesians chapter 6, where we see in the Christian home, obedient children who prize, who value, and who even revere their father and mother can expect a blessed and prolonged life. Paul writes, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And so, yes, children, fearing God means obeying your mother and your father, and in so doing, you will more than likely experience the consequence of fearing God, which is a blessed, prolonged life. The second thing that we want to look at as far as positive consequences of fearing God is this. It emboldens God's children and assures us of divine protection. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26, we read, In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. To think about and illustrate this principle, I, I think that there is no better example in Scripture than the prophet Daniel. Now, Daniel, he courageously demonstrated his reverence for God despite the threat of death. And God responded by keeping him safe in chapter 6 of Daniel, beginning at verse 10. It says, now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. What document was this? What King Darius signed, which Daniel's co-workers tricked him into signing that if anyone makes a petition of any god beside you, O king, live forever, they will be cast into the den of lions. The king said, oh yeah, that sounds like a good one. All right, so he signs this document, and here we see Daniel knew the document was signed. He went into his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day. So he wasn't even afraid of being caught. As he had been doing previously, this is what he did. 
Verse 11 says, Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. And we know that they reported him to King Darius. And because this document was a decree which could not be altered in any way, Darius had to follow through and throw Daniel his uh, very respectable and good uh, servant, uh, for lack of a better word, into the den of lions. And he told Daniel, Daniel, your God will deliver you. And then King Darius couldn't even sleep that night. And he ran to, the Daniel, to Daniel's uh, uh, lion's den that morning. And he said, Daniel, was your God able to deliver you? And here, are, here is Daniel's response in verse 21. He says, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also towards you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den of lions, and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. So we see the fear of the Lord makes us courageous, and it also assures us of God's protection. It doesn't mean that we won't go in the den, but even if we go in it, God is with us and will protect us. It does not mean that we won't go in the fiery furnace, but it means that even if we do go, our God is with us and will protect us. Fearing God gives us that boldness, that courage, and assures us of God's protection. But thirdly, it provides a constant alternative to being envious of sinners. Proverbs 23, verse 17 says, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Asaph, one of the choir directors appointed by King David to oversee the music ministry in the house of the Lord, wrote at least 12 of the 150 Psalms recorded in the scriptures for us. One of his ancient songs is Psalm 73, which is a transparent look into his struggle with envying prosperous sinners. Psalm chapter 73 says in verse 1, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Down in verse 12, we continue with his song. Behold, these are the wicked and always at ease. They have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. For I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. Have you ever felt as if serving the Lord is getting you nowhere compared to those wicked people around you that you notice who seem to be buying everything, building everything, 
Have you ever struggled with that? Well, this, this psalm is for you. So, and this is for me too, because I struggled with it. All right? So, verse, 17, verse 15 says, If I had said, I will speak thus. So we know he thought it. He said, if I had said, I will speak thus. And sometimes it's good to remember, not everything you think you should say. Right? Asaph said, if I said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children, Lord. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. It's a good thing to come to church. Because a lot of times, our perspectives need a, an adjustment. And coming to, to the Lord's house with his people helps to readjust our focus, our perspective. And Asaph certainly agrees uh, with that truth. Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. Verse 21 says, when my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand with your counsel. You will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. Here are some of my favorite verses in all of scripture. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen? Reverend W.B. Stevens also captured these sentiments well when he wrote these familiar lyrics. Tempted and tried, we're oft made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long while there are others living about us never molested though in the wrong when death has come and taken our loved ones, it leaves our home so lonely and drear. Then do we wonder why others prosper living so wicked year after year. Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Wonderful reminder. We can be reminded now of the end of the wicked who prosper, but in the end, we will see God making all the wrongs right. So let's review. What is the fear of the Lord? We covered a few of its characteristics, including one, it is the first part, the chief or principal thing of wisdom and knowledge. Secondly, it is pure or clean in a moral or ethical sense. Thirdly, it is teachable, which implies it can be understood. We also saw what the fear of the Lord does. What does it do? We considered a few positive consequences, including 
It causes increase of life, adding years to life. Secondly, it emboldens God's children and assures us of his protection. And third, it provides a constant alternative to being envious of sinners. As we wrap up our time addressing this important topic, I must warn all of us by way of reminder of several negative consequences associated with being disrespectful, irreverent, or dishonoring to God. Here are several pitfalls for refusing the fear of the Lord. First, bad company. People who don't fear the Lord tend to hang out with the wrong people. Secondly, calamity, distress, anguish, death, and destruction. You can see those in uh, the references. Um, and if you have a handout, I encourage you to look those up uh, when you go home later today. Thirdly, sexual immorality. Fourth, decline in health and wealth. Fifth, a life of painful and shameful regret. There are many more, including uh, taking on someone else's debt. That's one of the things that Psalm, um, Solomon warned his son against. It's a foolish thing to do, son, to take on someone else's debt. And it goes on and on in Proverbs. Uh, however, when you and I decide to respect, revere, and honor God with our thoughts, actions, and deeds, we can expect even more benefits for choosing the fear of the Lord. They include intimacy with God and knowledge of his promises. Experience, uh, we can experience his everlasting faithful love. We can enjoy life with less stuff. We can uh, have satisfying, peaceful sleep. You don't have to take those uh, sleeping pills um, or a little sip of this or that. And fifth, all right, one of the benefits of choosing the fear of the Lord is it motivates us for sharing the gospel. Would you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 8 with me, please? We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Does that sound familiar? That's what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. Now, let's end verse, with verse 11. Therefore... Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. So yes, the fear of the Lord motivates believers like you and me to obedience, including going into all the world and making disciples. By God's grace, may we live each day with an attitude of respect and reverence for God, honoring him and being devoted to him in every area of our lives and teaching our children to do the same. May we rely upon his grace to do so. Amen.